Hi, I'm Annie. I'm 19 years old and I'm Supergirl. I will fearlessly rescue your kitten from a burning building, get in a cage with a dangerous predator, and walk along the railing of a bridge directly over a bottomless abyss. But I am not immortal at all and don't possess any other superpower. All my fearlessness is just a symptom of an incurable disease. I suffer from a rare genetic disease. It's called Urbach-Weith disease. It destroys the amygdala in the brain, which is responsible for the formation of feelings of fear and the preservation of memories of it. This means that if a Nile crocodile bit off my right hand while I was trying to pet it, the next time I would reach for it with my left hand. My brain would not communicate a sense of danger to me, and the feeling of fear isn't familiar anyway. It's the self-preservation instinct that helps us survive. So I'm always in great danger. Everything I just told you is a harsh example. My grandmother, who has been raising me since childhood, since I lost my parents, has compiled a whole list of things that I will not do, and she makes me recite it every day. Until about seven or eight years old, I was an ordinary child. The disease gradually took hold as it destroyed such a small yet important section of my brain. Only after I jumped out of my bedroom window on the second floor just for fun and broke my leg, did they give me the heavy diagnosis. In the entire world, no more than 300 cases of Urbach-Weiss disease are known, so it's no surprise that a cure for it doesn't exist. Yet. By the way, the first item on the list of things I was forbidden to do was to not go into a burning building. It happened after I sneaked into a neighbor's house that was on fire when I was 11 years old. I could hear a cat in there. Luckily, the firefighters got me out just in time. Ugh, for a long time after that, my grandmother made me repeat that I would stay away from fire. Not knowing the reason for my fearlessness, the kids at school began daring me to do various things. I always refused, because I remembered my grandmother's instructions not to try anything new, since I couldn't assess the level of danger by myself. But when I was offered a dare for money, I couldn't resist. So at 14, I earned my first $50 by walking along the railing of an old bridge. It wasn't very high, and the railing wasn't too narrow, and I happened to have pretty good sense of balance. But I realized that it was very cool to the guys when they handed me the money. New dares started pouring in. It became a kind of game under the unofficial name of Scare Me If You Can. The highest bid was that I could not spend even one hour in an old abandoned building known in the past as an institution for the mentally ill. I told them that it would be easy and I would even stay there the whole night. The guys kept watch at the exit and when it got dark, they all went home. I wandered through the empty corridors and went to bed on a piece of cardboard on the floor. The police found me in the middle of the night. My grandmother put the whole city on high alert when I didn't come home after school, and one of my friends gave away my whereabouts. Public school was over for me, and I got transferred to homeschool, and I didn't get to collect my prize money for that dare. I celebrated my 16th birthday by going on a motorcycle ride with a guy I knew. It accelerated, and I was thrilled with the feeling of the insane speed. I screamed for him to go faster and faster until he lost control, and we crashed. I spent almost three months in the hospital, and when I got home, I asked my grandmother to add it to the list. I've been sticking to it for a year now. I only hope that we've considered all possible dangerous situations. Thank you for listening to my story.
Hi everybody, my name is Dave and I am 19. I am currently facing a very difficult decision and I don't know what to do. While browsing the internet, I came across an interesting blog. In it, the girl wrote about her feelings, concerns, and things going on around her. I spent all night reading her posts, and with each new sentence, I realized how cool she was. The very next day, I decided to write her. It was an incredibly difficult wait for her to answer. For a while, I was convinced that she was too good for me, and compared to her, I was a real loser whom she would simply ignore. How glad I was, then, when she actually responded to me. We started a correspondence, and every day I fell more and more in love with her. We talked about books, discussed movies, music, and shared our feelings and dreams. This was the first person in my life whom with I could feel free and at ease. Her name was Jess. She had some nature images as her avatar. Hmm, there was not a single image of her face. I asked her to send me a photo of herself, but in response I got a lot of excuses. She said she liked that our relationship was based on emotional closeness, and that photos would ruin it. I didn't care what she looked like, even I, myself, was a little afraid that she wouldn't like me. In one of my messages, I told her that I wanted to meet her, but she answered very abruptly. Meeting in person is not such a good idea, and besides, I have been wanting to be alone for many years now. I had no idea what she meant by this. I started asking, but she stopped replying. After a few days, Jess deleted her blog. I thought that all was lost and that I had ruined everything. But then, I caught sight of a postcard that Jess had sent me for Christmas. With trembling hands, I began to rummage through a pile of my stuff and found an envelope that I had not thrown out by sheer luck. Her address was written on it. I doubted for a very long time whether I should, but eventually decided to go to it. I packed up and ran out of the house, without telling anyone. I raced to the neighboring city to see her. I didn't know why she would be so offended, but I was prepared to apologize for every word. Standing on the porch of her house, using all my strength to make a fist, I knocked. An old woman opened the door. I want to see Jess, I said in a trembling voice. Grandma, who is it? I heard her voice, was delighted, and without permission ran into the corridor. Then I went numb. Standing before me was Jessica and her sister. They were conjoined twins. I am ashamed to admit it, but I was scared. I ran out into the yard and just stood there for a very long time, not knowing what to do. Some time passed since then, but I still can't get Jess out of my head. I am very ashamed that I ran away when we first met, and I want to apologize, but at the same time, I am afraid to see her again because I don't know how to behave in front of her. Guys, tell me, what would you do if you were me? I'm Dan. I am 18 and I don't like football, cars, or computer games. What I like is not easy to discuss with friends and parents, but I can tell you about it. I don't even know when it started, from childhood it seems. When I was four and my sister Catherine was eight, we shared a room. Cat went to bed in a pink shirt with delicate lace on her sleeves, or was it purple? Anyway, the color isn't important, but the lace was very beautiful. 
I remember when she was given a new shirt. The old one was put on the lowest shelf of the linen closet. Nobody needed it anymore. I waited until everyone fell asleep, quietly got out of bed, took it out and put it on. And in the morning, when everyone saw what I was wearing, I was punished and deprived of cartoons for a whole month. Soon after, we moved, and Kat and I began to have separate bedrooms. My school years went well, I got good grades, I had success in swimming, and everyone saw me as an ordinary teenager. Not surprising, considering I did not tell anyone that I would like to come to class in lingerie under my trousers. They would have been surprised. After graduating, Kat went to college and began to come home only on the weekends. At first, I was even upset that didn't see each other as often, but soon I realized what opportunities this opened for me. Now I have constant access to my sister's linen closet, and although it was noticeably empty, that was enough for me. Red, black, pink, with a bright print, and without... What underwear was not in there? I was happy as Charlie Bucket in Willy Wonka's factory. I carefully laid out each of them on the bed, and simply admired them, imagining what it would be like to try on at least some. But remembering the situation with the shirt when I was a kid, I didn't dare and carefully put them back. At Christmas, Kat was supposed to spend almost a week at home. She went out with friends right after dinner without even unpacking her things. I quietly made my way to my sister's room and opened her stuffed suitcase. I gasped at how much beautiful underwear I found in it. Having laid out each pair on the bed, I began to examine them. Some lace panties were especially good. The temptation was too great. Besides, what better time than to fill desires than on Christmas? Not completely believing what I was doing, I tried them on myself, on top of my pants. But I was so carried away by the process that I was not paying attention to the commotion that arose on the first floor. And when my sister, dad, and mom opened the door, I was standing in front of the mirror in bright purple lace panties. What else can I say? Cat, having not unpacked her bag, left the very next day. My parents are now actively looking for a psychologist for me. After such an embarrassment, the desire to get into women's underwear disappeared immediately. But for some reason, I am ashamed and humored at the same time.